We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, everyone. Welcome to a bonus episode of Talk of Buffalo Podcast. I'm going to jump right into it today. This is part two of our Buffalo Bills NFL Draft Recap. As always, when it comes to draft season anyway, as always, I am joined once again by my buddy, recurring guest, Aaron Quinn from Cover One Buffalo. What's up, buddy? You're a trooper, man. Hey, I I like coming on and talk to you. You know that. Well, I got one before we jump right back into this. I know we want to get going on this. You're like a month, two months into this intro song now. How you feeling now that you got to settle into this intro song? How, where are you at on it? You I like still it? like the vibe. Yeah, I, I like still like the vibe. It's uh, it's I like the jazz, man. I yeah, I do. I don't I need to be. We're not rocking out. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of a smooth, yeah. uh, casual setting, just the way I like. All right. So part one. If you didn't get a chance to check it out, go back and listen. Um, we talked about the Bills draft. We broke down. Aaron had a lot of thoughts on all the players. Today's going to be a little bit more about big picture stuff, current roster stuff. But before that, quickly, moving away from the Bills for just a couple minutes, I got a list, and I'll get your thoughts on these two because maybe you don't agree with these. Um, I got a list of six teams that I thought really had a, a, a very good draft, and I'm going to run those down for you and get a couple thoughts. And then after that, we will, uh, we'll spend a little bit of time talking about the Bills roster, talking about some winners and losers, I think anyway on this team when it comes to the draft, how the Bills did and how it'll affect some guys. We're going to talk about the 2018 draft to give that a grade because it's been three years and I think it's ridiculous for anybody to give a draft grade for a team after a handful of hours. I just think that's dumb. And then we'll talk a little big picture stuff. But anyway, six teams whose drafts I really liked. Let's get right into it. Uh, I love the Cleveland Browns draft. I hate to admit it because I think the Browns are 
I think the Browns are there, man. I really do. I think they've had, first of all, they have a good team. And quite frankly, I know Bills fans don't want to hear this. And so we're clear. I still think the Bills are the second best team in the AFC. All right, let me, so my, I want to make sure my statements aren't misconstrued here. I still think the Bills right now are the second best team in the AFC. That said, dude, Cleveland came closer to beating the Chiefs and played them better than the Buffalo Bills did in either contest when the Bills had two cracks at the Chiefs last year. They've had a good offseason. They got you, Damian Clowney, a, a, a guy who helps you now. And the draft, ugh! Greg Newsom falling to them at 26. God, that pissed me off, man. I, I was really mad about this. So they get Newsom at 26. <laughs> Jeremiah Awusa Karamoa, dude, how many minutes on just this podcast did we spend talking about him, let alone all the other ones? This guy was a top half of the first round projection almost everywhere. Just falls to Cleveland at 52. So they got JOK. They got Greg Newsom. To me, those are two plug-and-play day one starters on that defense. Anthony Schwartz is a good burner in round three. And uh, Tommy Tukey, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, from OSU, a, a promising defensive tackle that I saw really good grades on. That's a good draft, bro. That's a team that is, to me, right up there with the Bills amongst the, the, uh, the best teams in the AFC. What do you think? Yeah, they're a good team. They've been drafting good here now for a couple of years. Um, yeah, it's a good team. I think I will pump the brakes a little bit on that they played Kansas City better than Buffalo did. That Kansas City game was weird. Mahomes went out. Casey was pretty much steamrolling them up until that point, and then that game got a little weird, and they were able to get back in it. Um, so I don't know if they're on that level yet. I do think they're right there. I think they're there with – potentially indie depending how Carson Wentz goes I think the Ravens are right there there's there's three or four teams that are right there and the the step to where the Bills are it's not gigantic like I think if the Browns and Bills played last year 10 times I bet it's closer to 50 50 than Bills fans want to uh, admit and they're getting Odell Beckham back he looks hey I would my bleacher report app went off the other uh, earlier today that he's running sprints and he feels great and he's ready to go so this is a good team. This is definitely a team that the Bills need to worry about. What worries me about them having a draft like this isn't so much the impact on their team in 2021. I think Newsom will have some impact, but it's filling the pipeline for years where I am trying to figure out how to get over Kansas City so that the Bills can get their reign, but then you got really good teams building up their foundation that are just going to be right on your heels. And that's the problem with the NFL, man, is even when you get there, there's this the parity in this league and the way teams build, there's always somebody right there behind you. I would put it this way to any Bills fan out there, if you want to be honest with yourself. As I go through these drafts, these teams, picture in your mind that this was the Buffalo Bills draft. And right. if Aaron and I told you on part one that the Bills drafted Greg Newsom and, and JOK and Anthony Schwartz, people would be doing cartwheels. I know I would be. Sure. So anyway... It ultimately comes down to Baker Mayfield. I mean, this is not a Cleveland Browns examination, and we're talking about the draft specifically. I thought they had a good draft. I thought the Chargers had a really good draft. Uh, Rashard Slater just fell to them at 13. That's a tackle yeah. that they need. That worked out perfect. And then a guy that we thought was worthy of the 30th pick to the Bills, Asante Samuel Jr. goes 47 to the Chargers, man. Um, Josh Palmer is a, a legit third wide receiver option behind Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. They got them in the third round. Chris Rump. Uh, was a guy from Duke that I know we had in one of our mock drafts going to the Bills. They got him in the fourth round. Pretty good. Nice little prospect. So, uh, yeah, man, I, I thought the Chargers, I thought things went really well for them. Yeah, again, I like their draft too. I agree with you on that. And this is another team that I'm worried about. Maybe not 
this next year, but this is a team that, um, unfortunately for them, they've been hit with a five year injury bug. Where yeah. They can just cursed. never seem they are cursed. If they can get over that and, and get this team healthy, the, when you look at their roster top to bottom, like it, they could be scary if they stay healthy and Herbert continues to develop, uh, to who people think he can be in some of the flashes that we saw last year. This could be a team that just pops up out of nowhere and is contending with the Chiefs in that division. We we don't know, uh, but I think they have the potential to be one of those special teams. Yeah, for sure. And I'll tell you what, for what it's worth, I love Justin Herbert. He was much better as a rookie than Josh Allen was. Now, that's not to say he's going to get to the Josh Allen MVP level. He's got more around him earlier than Josh Allen. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a big, big, big reason why. But yeah, I like I like Herbert a lot, man. Um, I like the Giants draft, and this is one I don't know, maybe we'll disagree on because I know you weren't as high on one of the players as I was. Well, so they got Kadarius uh Tony at 20 after mm-hmm. trading back. They were at 11. They moved to 20 uh with Chicago. So Chicago could come up and get Justin Fields. So they still got Kadarius Tony. And they all saved us from the Patriots getting Justin Fields. So congratulations to all those teams. <laughs> Absolutely. So they get Tony and they sign Galloway during the offseason. So I think you you go out and you get Daniel Jones, two legitimate good weapons. I like that. Um Aziz Adjulari who many people thought might've been the top ta- or d- edge rusher in the draft. He fell all the way to 50. The Giants got him in round two. And I said, you might not agree. Cause I know on our episode yesterday, you were talking about you weren't as high on him as I was. Uh, there Aaron Robinson and cornerback from UCF. They got in round three and beyond those picks. They also got a first rounder next year by trading back. And they got a two extra picks because of that too. So they got three picks by moving back. So got Tony, a receiver we both like. So, I like them, but I don't know how you feel because I know you're not as big on uh, Ojulari as I was. Yeah, it wasn't one of my top drafts, but uh, I do like the fit of Tony uh, for them with what, what, they, what they're building over there. So I, I think it's a fine draft. It wasn't one of my top ones, but yeah, I think if I liked Ojulari more, then I could get in into this more and watch. He'll probably turn out to be the next great giant pass rusher. So Yeah, <laughs> probably, man. I liked him. Uh, I know Joe Viscalia had him in his Bills mock draft. He was hoping he would follow him too. Um, let's stay with New York because I like what the Jets did. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think they revamped their entire offense with Zach Wilson and Elijah Vera Tucker, a guard that we both are in love with. That we yeah, were, love we've talked about wanting to trade up many times for him. In fact, we explored that if we could get it done realistically in our mocks and it didn't happen. And then the receiver who you're very high on, man, Elijah Moore. Yeah. So you got yourself a young quarterback prospect. You got yourself a potential perennial pro bowl left guard to play next to Brockton, who was probably the biggest bright spot on his shitty jets team last year. I love Elijah Moore receiver. So you're not just, you didn't just get the quarterback. You got weapons. And then they went out and got Michael Carter running back in the fourth round. So I I saw some mock drafts. They were picking them. The people who thought the bills were going to go running back at some point. I saw Michael Carter in a couple mock drafts in the second or third round going to the bills. So, yeah, man, the Jets. Oh, by the way, another defensive back who I should have put on our list um, in our last episode, Hansom Nazardine. We mocked him a couple times. The Jets got him in the sixth round. Now, we had him in the third round, so he slipped. But I like that draft a lot, man. They, they redid their offense. Uh, I, I like... I don't like Zach Wilson. I'm not going to lie. I don't think he, I'm not scared of Zach Wilson at all. I think Sean McDermott is going to send his head through a blender for the next couple of years. Um, but that's fine. Maybe he'll, he will pan out. I'm not high on him as a prospect outside of that. I like it a lot, but if they don't get quarterback, right. None of this matters anyway. That's true. And I'll tell you what, 
for what it's worth, I agree. I, I think he's the fourth best quarterback in this draft. I would have taken, uh, I definitely would have taken Trey Lance in front of him and Justin Fields too. So definitely. yeah, I, I, I think he should have been the fourth quarterback taken. Time will tell. Uh, I got two more on my list. I didn't love the Denver Broncos draft, but I like it. I like the fact that they, they didn't go quarterback, which maybe we'll find out why soon enough with Aaron Rodgers, but Patrick Sertain in the first round. Um, they moved up to get the running back, Javante Williams, who a lot of people thought was the best running back in this draft. They got him early in the second. Uh, Quinn Murnios, uh, interior lineman in the third. And they got a, a safety in the fifth round that I really was pounding the table for the Bills. Jamar Johnson, and I know him personally. I watched him play down here in Florida. He went to Indiana. Anyway, he went to Denver in the fifth. I like that draft a lot. And quickly here, you talked about the Chargers having a good roster. Dude, the Broncos got a good roster, and if yeah, they, they do, if they do get Aaron Rodgers, look out. Yeah, I I like that team a lot, especially when uh, Bills were getting ready to play them. They had a weird injury bug a year ago, and the, I think the Bills, I think the Bills would have been able to beat them just because Locke isn't very good. But I, I, that game against the Broncos would have been a lot more difficult if they didn't hit the injury bug the way they did last year that that's a good team i like vic fangio a lot too i think it's a well-coached team he, I, they're if they get quarterback or lock takes a big step that team could be a very dangerous team the afc is pretty stacked right now and uh young and, and up and coming so that's not a good sign for bills fans but i didn't their drafts are okay um it didn't blow me away or anything i have other drafts probably a little bit higher than theirs um if, do you have any more on your list i got one more yeah, I, I actually, it, it wasn't fancy by any means, but I like what the Patriots did. They needed a okay. quarterback and I, I'm glad they didn't get fields. I was openly rooting for them to get Mac Jones because he was the quarterback of all of them. That scares me the least, but he did fall to him at 15. They didn't have to move up and get him. And I love their defensive picks in rounds two and three. They got Christian Barmore, who, by the way, we didn't even talk about him on this, our first episode yesterday. I would have been good if the Bills would have taken Christian Barmore at 30, to be honest with you. Yeah, but anyway, like so it. New England got him in round two. And then Ronnie Perkins, who has upsided defensive end in round three. So they got potentially their quarterback of the future. And they did a lot to improve their defensive line with this draft combined with the hell of a lot of money spent in this offseason. So, I mean, again, I still don't consider New England any contender because I still think Cam Newton is completely washed and Mac Jones is a rookie. He's certainly not going to scare me, but yeah, I think they did well to, to improve themselves for the foreseeable sure. future with this draft. Yeah, I don't hate it. Um, can I list off a couple that I had sure. on yeah. a, a, a sort of list as well? Uh, we'll start. I like the Lions draft oh, yeah. quite a bit. They they locked into Penny Sewell. Big boy the, draft. Uh, yeah. Seven, Seventh pick there. I don't know what the teams were thinking ahead of him. I can't believe Cincinnati saw what happened to Joe Burrow and then passed on probably a blue chip offensive tackle prospect. That seems pretty weird to me. Uh, Alan McNeil, a guy that we had at cover one had targeted a few times, uh, defensive tackle from North Carolina State, really like that. Efitu Melifonwu, guy that you and I targeted a number of times. All, all Bills fans had heard the name. They got him in the third round. That's a pretty nice draft for their first draft together over there in Detroit, trying to rebuild that franchise. That's not a team that's ready to do anything, but it's a interesting first draft. I think they got some good players and, and some guys to develop there. I love what the bears did. I'm not going to lie. And I know that they gave up a bunch of picks to move up, but they targeted 
opportunity that fell to them uh, with Justin Fields falling past the Broncos. And they went up and they got their guy, Justin Fields. And this might be my brother's a Bears fan, so maybe I just talked to him too much about the Bears. But I've thought the entire time, one, those poor fan that poor fan base that has sit there and watch their team trade up for Mitchell Trubisky when the draft had Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes in it. And now they've had to watch how good Deshaun Watson and Watson and Patrick Mahomes have been. Bills fans have fought about that trade with the Kansas city chiefs for years, right? Because it somehow impacted the bills because they got Mahomes and we didn't imagine being a bears fan and your team not only didn't take those guys, but traded a ton to come up and take Mitch Trubisky. Who's now the Buffalo backup. Uh, so good for them. You rarely see a GM be able to get two franchise QBs uh, under the same job. So Ryan Pace has been able to go up and get his franchise quarterback, but then Tevin Jenkins falls to their lap. Uh, not only do they do that, then they're able to get Tevin Jenkins later in the draft and secure who, what I think is the second best offensive tackle in this draft. And that's the best way to build around a young QB, which is why I didn't understand what Cincinnati was doing with Burrow, not building up that offensive line. You get a rookie quarterback, bring in some line and get this kid something uh, behind him. But I think the bears, if, if fields comes in and I, I think this is going to sound crazy. I think there's a chance he's the best quarterback in this draft. I'm not, even kidding a little bit. Um, I like Trevor Lawrence, but I think everybody crowned that kid way too soon. He's still got flaws to his game and he's in Jacksonville. So we got to wait to see how that goes. I think Fields, at least early could come in and have the most impact in the NFL right now. He went to a team that's not Chicago bears are not a bad team. This is a team two years ago that we're about to make a deep playoff run other than a, a field goal going off the side like that. This team is built for that. Khalil Mack and that defense are ready to do something now. So excited for them. Uh, so we did Lions, Bears, Ravens. Why aren't we talking about the Ravens draft? They had a re- really nice draft. When Let don't they though? I don't even know. I, I almost don't, don't count them. They always get defensive guys who aren't. Well, they always seem to fall. They always just they always seem to get the best value picks, man. It just always seems to work out that way. It's a well run. Yeah, it's such a well run organization, top to bottom. So let's take a look here. I love Rashad Bateman. They needed to get uh, Lamar Jackson some type of wide receiver threat. They get that in the first round. Uh, they end up with OA uh, right after the Bills. There, we talked about that pick on the last episode. We really like that pick for them. He's probably going to turn out to be fantastic. They get Ben Cleveland in the third round, another guy that we talked about a number of times on yep. this show. Uh, Tylen Wallace, another wide receiver. I think he's a nice prospect. Sean Wade is a guy that around that uh, sixth round that I started targeting uh, cornerback out of Ohio state. I think he can come in and kind of play some nickel, maybe be some, do some safety. That's a nice draft for them. They're just continuing to fill up a, a already good team with good players. I hate them so much sometimes. And then the Panthers, I think would be my final one. I think Carolina Panthers had a really nice draft here this year. Uh, Sam Darnold's got some stuff to work with down there. JC Horn got one of the, maybe the best cornerback in the draft. Uh, Terrence Marshall Jr. fell right into their lap in the second round. Love that. Brady Christensen, a tackle, a good prospect. I like Tommy Tremble, the tight end out of Notre Dame a lot. This is a guy I love that him. I like. Yeah, I like what he brought that the Bills don't have, which is a, this is a guy that's going to come in and get get with it when it comes to blocking. Uh, Chubba Hubbard uh, at Oklahoma State. I thought it's an interesting developmental prospect there. 
Uh, Shai Smith is a guy we talked about a number of times. South Carolina wide receiver got him in the sixth round. Like that's a, I think they had a pretty good draft. They got Deontay Brown, that giant guard from Alabama that nobody, you know, because his RAS is so low, people don't think he can play in the NFL. I thought this was a, a good draft for them. And that's it. Everyone else sucked. Everyone else had a terrible draft. <laughs> the only look again, I don't like to, to get too high or too low on drafts before we get opportunities to find out. The only thing that I thought was a mistake instantly, not counting Bill's stuff because we already talked about them. I thought the Bengals should have taken Sewell instead of Chase. And it's not that I don't love Chase. He's a great it's player. Awesome, right? But man, how do you, you got a franchise quarterback. You got to protect him. I mean, this guy's a, a potential. I mean, I've read this guy's got potential Hall of Fame level talent, man. How do you not go get that tackle right off the bat? You could have, maybe you make a minor move to get into the late first or or get to the top of the second round, and you could have gotten Elijah Moore too. So you could have gotten yeah. Sewell and Elijah Moore without having to give up. And they too have much. good wide receivers. Like I know that you want a more explosive guy, and uh, I follow Joe Goodberry, who lives in Western New York, but is a Bengals guy, and he yeah. covers the Bengals quite a bit, and saw a lot of his stuff. And there seemed to be an argument amongst Bengals fans of like, sort of uh, how Bills fans argue: what's more important, pass rush or? Uh, you know, past coverage in terms of stopping the pass, they were having the argument of what's more important, protecting the quarterback or giving them guys to throw to. I think it's protecting. And I think that's what Brandon Bean did a really good job in Josh Allen's second year is revamping that offensive line and getting him some guys uh, to, to protect him a little bit. We saw Kansas city really address that aggressively here this off season and in this draft. And I think that is the approach that should be taken. So I agree with you. I don't know that it's a good move. I mean, I think, Chase is going to be fine. I think that he and Burrow will put up big numbers together and they, they could have a nice fun run and maybe they address the line the way the bills did in free agency here coming up next year. But I agree with you. I, I had Sewell as a blue chip prospect. There's usually maybe eight of those guys or less in any given draft. And if they're, if they're at your pick and it's not a quarterback, you take the blue chip prospect every time. And you figure it out later. There's only so many of these guys and you're only up in those picks so often where I do feel like wide receiver is one of these positions. There's just so many guys at wide receiver and you see so often that later round guys develop and, and turn into some of the best in the league. Stephon Diggs was the best wide receiver in the NFL a year ago and he's a fifth round pick. You right. know what I mean? Like it happens often. Yeah. So there were four guys too quickly here that on a personal level I was watching because I know them. Uh, Ryan Newzill, he's a offensive guard. He went to Braden River High School. That's where my son played his high school football. So I was tracking. He didn't get drafted, but he signed with Atlanta right after the draft. I mentioned Jamar Johnson earlier. He's a safety. Went to Denver in the fifth round. I watched him play multiple times down here at Riverview High School. Kid was a well, he's a way better wide receiver in high school, which is usually the oh, case. Yeah. And you know, all these kids are all running backs and receivers in high school, and then they go and play defense in college. Uh. Isaiah McDuffie, a Buffalo boy who went to Bennett High School. He went to the Green Bay Packers in the sixth round. And then the last guy, Jared Patterson from UB, man. Ah, did not get drafted. Signed with Washington after. And I'll tell you, Aaron, I, I spoke with somebody that I know pretty well from UB after this draft. And because I've had a, a, a an investment in Jared emotionally because I had him on the show. I've Talked to him a handful of times. He's a great kid. And he's yeah. very talented. And I, my first thought, and I know a lot of people are saying this, oh, the kid's stupid. He should have stayed in school for another year. This is what I found out about Jared Patterson and probably a lot of these other kids as well. 
he his production wouldn't have mattered going forward. He didn't get drafted because of his physical traits. Yes. You know, he could have went to UB okay. and he could have ran for 5,000 yards next year against that same competition. He wasn't going to much help his draft stock. He can, In fact, if anything, he get hurt and you can hurt your draft stock. Well, totally. it turns out he was undrafted. So for people wondering, well, why didn't he stay in school? Because he was told that this is where, I mean, he didn't know if he's going to get drafted. He could have been a fifth round pick or not getting drafted. Unfortunately, it turned, well, maybe not even unfortunate. It turns out he wasn't drafted, but my point was, had he stayed in school, he wouldn't have done a lot to be able to build up his draft stock, if, if anything. Well, now they just got rid of, the, didn't their coach take another job, Leopold? Yeah, yeah, went to Kansas. So, yeah. You never know. Like, that's a tough ask of a guy to stay in school. I agree with whoever told you that, that I like Patterson, and it's a fun he had a fun run here at UB, but yeah, when you look at him, maybe late developmental guy, but there's a lot of those guys that are going to be available and he just doesn't have, it doesn't pop off that he has the traits that separate him from any of these other guys. And this is a conversation we have all the time. Sal and I, Sal Capaccio and I were talking about it and uh, traits versus production, right? Like lots of guys go into college produce they have huge numbers and you never hear from them in the nfl that production doesn't translate the traits are what you typically translate and, and that's what people are looking for and if you don't have them and, and you're a running back which is already a position that isn't super valued that this is where you end up on drafted free agents but we see guys every year we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed undrafted free agent guys that are just ballers. It doesn't matter if they have the traits. It doesn't matter what system they go in. They just are productive running backs in the NFL. And he has a shot at that. Yeah, he does. And Washington's a, a team that he grew up a fan of. So I'm happy for him in, in that aspect. And I know for a fact that he had at least five or six teams that were trying to sign him after the draft. And he chose Washington. You talked about it. Undrafted guy. Look at Robinson from Jacksonville just last year. Totally. Every year we see it. And, He's lucky. Football is hard uh, to get a job in, and I'm super happy for him to even get a chance to continue playing football. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, 
Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk the Buffalo Bills' current roster. So the draft's behind us now. I kind of compiled a list of guys that I think are draft winners and draft losers. We always see, again, right after the draft, this is your draft winners, draft losers immediately. I like to look at the actual roster because I think some guys benefited by this draft, and I think this draft hurt some veteran players. Uh, let's start with the draft winners. The biggest one to me is the most obvious one, and that's the combination. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, those guys are both big-time draft winners because there was a lot of buzz about Travis Etienne. There was a lot of talk in mainly national mainstream outlets at the Bills might take him or take any running back again in the first three rounds, but they've invested a third-round pick two years in a row. So those guys are big-time winners. And and Dawson Knox as well, by the way. Same deal with him. So my biggest winner, in my opinion, Levi Wallace, I think is one of the biggest winners because sure. I think while we heard the smoke about the possibility of adding to running back, I think universally fan base said that's a luxury. Right. Like we don't need it. These running backs are average. Like I think that's where everyone was. Like they're, they're fine. But everyone and their mother was adamant that Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson isn't, it's not good enough. And that no matter what Brandon Bean says, there's no way we're not leaving with a cornerback in those first three rounds. Here we are. And uh, it might not be for Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson might be the guy that they have the confidence in. And I agree with you what you said on the, the show the other night that there's probably going to be a veteran added to this unit. But for right now, today, uh, Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson had a really nice weekend. And you're right, Dawson Knox. That, that was one of those things. I think Dawson Knox might have been a product of a bad tight end class, though. Like his his victory might have been that there just wasn't a good tight end class. Issue. Right. Well, guess what, Burl? A W is a W, right? Hey, I like him. <laughs> I like Dawson Knox, man. I'm on the, I'm still on the, I think he's going to have a big year. And we, we'll probably talk about that this summer, but I bet there's more confidence in the building in Dawson Knox than there is on Twitter. Probably. Quick uh, side note for people listening. I should have said this at the top. We're taping this for a Wednesday drop very late on Sunday. So if the Bills do something at cornerback on Monday or Tuesday, oh well. But for now, yes, Levi absolutely. Wallace still wins. Levi <laughs> Wallace and, and Dane Jackson, definitely draft winners. Definitely Singletary and Moss. Definitely Dawson Knox. I would also say the interior guys on the offensive line for the Bills are big winners. Uh, John sure. Feliciano, Mitch Morse, uh, maybe Cody Ford to an extent. Had they got in a guard in the first two rounds, maybe three rounds, they could have been pushed for a starting spot. That's not going to happen now, I don't think, anyway. with uh, Not with the rookie, anyway. Um, no. I also think backup defensive tackles uh, were draft winners. Guys like... Uh, Butler and, and Phillips and, and Justin Zimmer. I think they got better pass to making the roster than if, say, the Bills. I talked about Christian Barmore. Had the Bills taken Barmore, you know, somebody would have definitely been in trouble. And then last, uh, the depth guys at linebacker. Uh, the guys like Andre Smith, uh, Terrell Adams, and Terrell Dodson, and Mark Kelly, a guy they signed in free agency. I think those guys are winners, too, because for the simple reason, the Bills did not draft a linebacker to, you know, to push them at camp. So those are your winners. You go to the other side and look, this is pretty obvious. The biggest draft loser to me on this football team right now is Daryl Johnson. I, I just, what path, I know he plays special teams, but what path does he have to make this football team right now? Because look, Jerry Hughes is a lock. AJ Evanes is a lock. Both rookies are a lock to make the roster. That's four defensive ends 
right there. They're only going to keep five on this roster, maybe six absolute most. So Daryl Johnson is in a lot of trouble. I think Mario Addison was a big draft loser. I don't think that the Bills necessarily going to cut him because there's not a lot of cap savings per se. Even if they cut him after June 1st, I think I read it's only $1.4 in savings. And but then there's dead there's cap. Still money. Dead cap. There's yeah. dead cap for also for 2022. So I don't see the financial sense to do that. Maybe they could trade him. I still think that's a possibility. Maybe. Maybe. But anyway, so you got to assume Madison, if he's that fifth guy, well, guess what? So Daryl Johnson for sure is the loser. And here's a name that they just signed, man. What happens with F.A. Obata? What's yeah. up with him? I, you're not keeping seven defensive ends on your 53-man roster, right? I don't know. I got to look at the roster as a whole. I think Brandon Bean's talked about this a bunch, that there's – he would love to have nine, 10 rotational defensive linemen at all times that can kind of come in and out and, and change, you know, positions, roles, different looks, things like that. So I think they like, they're going to want to have some numbers. I agree with you. I think Bam Johnson's probably the guy that lost the most in this scenario. I think, I think there's definitely a huge place for Addison. Addison's not going anywhere. In my opinion, I think that, uh, Brandon Bean spoke to that, that both Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison are going to be a big part of the development of what they just added. They, there's value. And this is one thing that's frustrated Bills fans here over the last few years. Sean McDermott and uh, Brandon Bean and Leslie Frazier, they value leadership. They value experience. Um, they, Mario Addison has a lot of value to them, especially with the investment they just made in this draft. So th I think those guys are all locks and not just for what they're going to be as teachers. I think, you know, playing more naturally. Brandon Bean talked about this weekend, Mario Addison playing more in his natural role of what they envisioned him to do uh, this coming season is going to provide maybe some more production out of him. I, I think the team's high enough on him. Obata, I think, still very much has a role. In the last episode, we talked about that these guys are, that they got, yes, they're guys and they're going to be on this roster and they'll get snap percentages, but these are still guys that are going to have to earn the right to to have that spot. And I think that, Obata has a, a role on this defense today. Will that change over the summer? Maybe, but I don't know that these draft picks coming in necessarily make him a loser. I think it, it makes competition for him to see how it shakes out for the snap percentages in 2021. And that's all that matters to him. And that's all that matters to uh, Addison. In 2021, I'm not sure where we're going to get out of these rookies. So I don't know how big a losers those guys are yet. Well, let's see in summer if one of these rookies really just starts to blow things away and is way ahead of where we think he is. Then I'm um, entertaining these conversations of, well, maybe Addison is a little bit more. We saw that with LaShawn McCoy and Devin Singletary, right? Like Singletary came in, had a great summer and it's like, well, maybe Sean McCoy isn't really needed on this team anymore. I could see a scenario like that playing out. And maybe with an Obata where you don't have any dead cap is, Hey, the, the rookie really stepped up. We got you because we wanted to fill a hole before the draft there's really no need for you anymore on this roster. So maybe he, he loses, but not today. I think today is just added competition and uh, Bam's probably the only loser across that board. I don't see how Bam can outperform. If he's, if Bam Johnson's outperforming the rookies, then we're in trouble. Yes. Well, yeah, I agree about Daryl Johnson for sure, but I, I come to a numbers game here. So you, you have, you run a four, three, they're going to have nine, defensive lineman on this 53-man roster. Even if you stretch it to 10, which I don't think they're going to have 10, I think they're going to have nine. Because you got the one thing about Daryl Johnson, the best thing he had going for him is that he was a pretty good special teams player. 
But um, and these other guys, to my knowledge, anyway, aren't Johnson. You can probably keep on your practice squad. To be honest, I think he's still eligible for practice squad. You could probably. I don't think he would go somewhere else. You have let's do tackle real quick. So you got Star Latoule, Ed Oliver, Vernon right. Butler, Phillips, and Zimmer. That's five guys there. One of those guys are definitely not making this roster. I could tell you that right now. That's I don't know if it's going to be Butler, Phillips, or Zimmer, but one of those three for sure are not making it because again, if you carry five ends. And you got Hughes, you got Addison, you got Epinesa, you got the two rookies. That's five right there. I didn't even count Obata. Obata would be the sixth guy. So even if you do 10 and you have Obata as your sixth guy, maybe he can play special teams. Maybe he's Daryl Johnson, and I, I don't know it. I haven't heard anything about that. But again, they're going to lose guys for sure, veterans on this um thing. I agree with you with your point that I think Daryl Johnson is pretty much the only lock, minus injuries, of course, to, to be the draft loser. It's going to be interesting, though. Another guy I think is a draft loser is Ryan Bates. I think Ryan Bates was kind of locked in to be, not locked in, but he was at least penciled in to be the swing tackle this year. But I think that's gone now with Spencer Brown and another um, Doyle, the fifth round pick as well. So I think Ryan Bates is, now I'm not saying he's not going to make the roster. He could He's versatile. He could play center or guard too. So maybe he still has a path to this roster, but it got a lot harder. So for me, that makes you a draft loser because your path got a lot harder to to have a role on this team. And then uh, potentially Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah. I was just going to say, and potentially Isaiah McKenzie, because they, I mean, they took a receiver in the fifth round and Marquez or sixth round. I'm sorry. And Marquez Stevenson, that kind of is like him in a way younger, cheaper. Now Good that's returning. not just maybe McKenzie um, gets cut and ends up on the practice squad this year. I don't know how it plays out, but anyway, um, Isaiah McKenzie's not feeling easier. So and that makes you, that's a definition to me of a draft loser. It doesn't mean the dude's a loser. He's a loser in terms of. Because his position got. Right. He's vulnerable at his position to be replaced. Right. Exactly. Um, on a smaller scale, you talked about him a little bit yesterday. Jakai Johnson, maybe, you know. Um, maybe. They kept him last year when they had Dean Marlowe. I right. feel like adding another safety is sort of that Dean Marlowe sure. role. So I, there's probably room for him to continue to develop. I'm not big on Jaquan Johnson. I haven't seen anything. Twitter, for some reason, loves Jaquan Johnson. And anytime I say anything about needing safety, the, my mentions just fill up with John, Jaquan Johnson stands out of nowhere. And I'm like, Dude, how can you like this guy? We haven't seen anything from him in two years now. Like, I have no idea who he is. Like, he hasn't developed enough to grab my intention. So his job's always in jeopardy, in my opinion. I want to, next thing I want to do here on my list, I want to grade the draft, but I ain't talking about this year's draft. I want to go back three years. I call it, here's why I refuse to grade this draft. I hate when people give a grade to a draft where guys have played. I call it the 2006 rule. And I remember this back in 2006, I was writing a blog at foxsports.com. I worked actually, believe it, for Tyler Dunn at the time. Um, he ran the Bills portion of uh, that blog is fair, and I worked for Tyler. Anyway, I very much remember after the 2006 Buffalo Bills draft, I talked and raved about how they completely transformed their defense into a future dynamo because they went out and they took Dante Whitner in the first round. Then they traded up for John McCargo. Then they took Ashton Ubody. Then they took Coe Simpson. And then they got Kyle Williams in the fifth round. Their first five picks were all defense. I'm like, yo, the Buffalo Bills defense is going to be lit for years to come. 
As it turns out, yeah, Kyle Williams exceeded everyone's expectation. But beyond that, Dante Whitner was. Did you have a blog? I want to see that blog where you're like, ah, this guy, meh. I gave them an A plus draft. I gave them, it was the only time I've ever done it. I graded the draft and I gave the Bills an A plus on this draft. And it turns out Dante Whitner was an overrated asshole piece of shit. And John McCargo, unfortunately, was a bust. And Ubody was mediocre. Coe Simpson was doo doo. And, and I Kyle, wanted Coe Simpson to be Kyle so Williams good. was great. They also got Keith Ellison, who played some linebacker. Yeah, for the he Bills. did Brad, all right. He played- Brad Butler played a little bit of tackle. Terrence Pennington had a little bit of burn with the Bills. So that was a draft. Again, I thought that was going to be a big franchise game changer. And I was dead wrong. So I said, I ain't never fucking ever going to grade a draft again <laughs> immediately after. Definitely, and we talked about it last episode. Definitely not this draft. No. Right. Like this is the developmental draft. You got to grade this thing in three years. Right. Absolutely, man. So let's do that then. Let's go back three years. I'm going to run through the class for everybody out there. I'm going to go back in time. <laughs> yeah. Huey Lewis, baby. All right. So <laughs> look, the first guy needs no, uh, I mean, what do you say? Josh Allen. Okay. I mean, it was the right move. We were, I was Josh Rosen season. You know, I wanted Josh Rosen like most people. Wasn't too happy with the pick. We all know how this turned out, okay? Tremaine, so that was the first round. They moved up for him, and then they went up from 22 to 16, and they got Tremaine Edmonds. Um, So they got Tremaine Edmonds, who's, he hasn't played, he hasn't been consistently great, but he's shown a lot of flashes in three years. He is a two-time Pro Bowler. I mean, take it for what it's worth. He's got a ton of burn. Take it for what it's worth. He has made the Pro Bowl now. He's a multi-time Pro Bowler um, in the third round. They got Harrison Phillips, who's been a pretty useful defensive tackle. I mean, he did 38 ACL, so he missed a year, but he's been useful. And then in the fourth round, uh, Teron Johnson, he's had his Huge moments. Deal. I mean, he had two of the biggest plays of, of the season last year for the Bills. In fact, he probably had arguably the two biggest plays for the season for the Bills. He had both of them last year. Yeah, and it came on right away played well, had his injury, had a little bit of injury scare, but last year he led the bills in defensive snaps. Like yeah. he played more than any Buffalo bills player did on the defensive side of the ball. He was a key piece. I know people got frustrated at times, but this is, he's a good player for a fourth round player. When you look back on it. Yeah, for sure. So he's a fourth round guy in the fifth round. They got Saran Neal who three years later is stuck around Maybe the and, best special teams. Yeah. Big core team. special teams player. So He's carved out a really nice role. So that, I mean, for a fifth rounder, that's all you could ask for. And then of course, the one who got away in the fifth round, Wyatt Teller, who didn't really do much with the bills, but got traded to Cleveland. And now he's one of the better guards in the, that's a, that's probably, if there's one move in the bean era that I think a lot of people would love to have back, it might be that because he just, yeah, it'd be tough sure. to envision right now, man, why you Teller know a guard? I've watched the butterfly effect uh, back in the day and there's nothing you can do about it. Like if the bills keep him, maybe he doesn't turn into who he is. He went to Callahan. Who's one of the greatest offensive line coaches in NFL history. And maybe the, him getting traded was the chip he needed to, to turn it into what he is now. So I'm happy for him, but and I, I just say that because I hear people are all the time in my mentions saying like, oh, we should have kept him. Look how good he is. And it's, I don't Maybe he doesn't become that guy if he stays in Buffalo. Absolutely. I can't play that game in my mind. It's a fair point. Just the same as saying if Josh Allen got drafted and went to the Jets and played under Adam Gase, he's not probably. He might be. Yeah, he might be traded. by. He's him. not the runner up MVP. There's no question about it, you know, this year. So, yeah, absolutely. Situations and opportunity mean a lot. Anyway, um, 
Another guy who's done fairly well, but not with the Bills, uh, Ray Ray McLeod, has had some success as a, a kick returner. And then in the seventh round, they took Austin Prohl, who was a Buffalo Twitter. He was a Buffalo Twitter darling for the summer. But uh, yeah, he didn't pan out. So even, and again, if you go by only what they did in Buffalo with Teller and McLeod, not much. But your first, what, five picks, man? Josh Allen, game-changing franchise quarterback, Tremaine Edmonds, a multi-time pro bowler who I still think has not played his best football yet. At least I hope not anyway. Uh, Harrison Phillips, a useful defensive tackle. Teron Johnson, a nickel, who in today's NFL, a nickel is the same exact thing as a starter. So essentially he is a starter. And then Saran Neal will get some burn on defense, but is a core special teams player. You got to come up with a grade for this. What are, what are you going to give it? For the draft itself, obviously, I'm giving it an A. They got freaking Josh Allen. Like, no matter what else happened, even if everything else fell apart, you got your franchise guy. It's something we've chased for 20 years, and you got it. You got a guy that just played at a – got votes in the MVP. Like, he lit the league on fire. There's no way you can't give this draft an A. But then you also got good – like, you have your starting middle linebacker who I think is going to get his fifth-year option. If By the time this show drops, we, we'll probably hear whether or not he get, gets his fifth-year option. Um, Taron Johnson, big fan. You've gotten a ton of production out of him. That's a, that's a hit. Um, I like this draft a lot. This was what you thought your 2006 draft was. This was is a franchise altering draft. This is where it all started, and there's no turning back now. Like this is a historic draft in Buffalo Bills history, on par with Bruce Smith's draft, probably a franchise altering uh, draft. Obviously, the Jim Kelly one, but I feel like Bruce really tipped off Buffalo becoming a good team, um, and and. Yeah, there's no way you walk away from not giving this an A plus plus. Like this is the best draft in my lifetime. This is I, I, look, we're not being homers here. It's it's an A. How's it not an A? You got a quarterback who's second in MVP voting last year. That by itself, if the other guys redraft, if the other guys sucked, Aaron in this draft, if every other pick sucked, and you got an MVP level quarterback, that's an automatic A to me. Totally. <laughs> no matter totally. what. Ah. Every redraft has given taken Josh Allen number one. Like sure. if you redrafted the twenty, like so, the fact that years later they're saying your guy should have been the first guy tells you all you need to know that that's an A. Not only is this draft an A, you hit on both drafts. I think this draft is right on par, or at least potentially. Let's wait a couple more years on that before we put it in historical context. But the eighty-three and the eighty-five drafts, man, it's right there. I mean, 83, so the Bills got Jim Kelly, obviously, and Daryl Talley. I mean, those two Hall of Fame caliber players. Bills, Wall of Fame, because Daryl Talley, unfortunately, is never going to make the Hall of Fame, but he was a franchise-changing player. So they got two franchise guys. That's what the Bills right now appear to have with Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds. But yeah, I would say to this point, I would think the 85 draft is their best draft ever. You said it. Bruce Smith, the first overall pick. Just he, he changed the franchise. Simple as that. And then you also had Andre Reed in the fourth round. That's a Hall of Famer. Um, Derek Burroughs was a decent starting corner in the NFL. Frank Reich, who, I mean, he's responsible for getting the Bills to a Super Bowl as a backup quarterback. Hal Gardner was a pretty good linebacker and special teams player. Ron Pitts was a pretty good uh, defensive back. So that's probably the, the measuring stick for the best drafts ever. But again, I mean... You look at this draft right now, and and Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds with room to grow, they're and Teron Johnson. I mean, 
again, he had the two biggest plays on defense anyway for the Bills in 2020, man. He's been a great steal for a fourth-round pick. So, yeah, man, this might be a top-three draft of all time. So we could say that after just three years, I think. Yeah, and uh, you also have to add in the undrafted class from this year. Not uh, You won't rate it that way, but undrafted in 2018, I think, was Robert Foster, who, for an undrafted guy, obviously, yeah. he stick on this roster. But for an undrafted guy, he came in and had some production when you needed it. Levi Wallace, I think, was undrafted in that 2018 he's been your starting cornerback too for most of his time here as an undrafted guy say what you want about levi wallace to go undrafted and come in and be a starting cornerback on a top 10 defense during his run here is pretty phenomenal for him um who else was in that class mike love who's still on this roster ike botker is still on this roster. so we talk about undrafted guys all the time like the the measuring stick for success isn't great and most of those guys don't hit, but you got four guys that are still on your roster all these years later, and your roster is competing for AFC title games. And these guys are still, this isn't like the 2008 Buffalo Bills, and you have a bunch of undrafted guys sticking to the roster. Like, this is a good team who also got in some undrafted guys and, and has drafted well. Great point about Levi Wallace. He was undrafted in 2018. I mean, look, that's your CB2. He was your CB2 last year. He's a starter. You got him undrafted. He's part of that 2018 class too, for sure. People just said he was one of the better values in free agency because of what they were able to get him back in his production in the NFL so far. So, yeah. I mean, that's a huge home run in undrafted free agency. Before I let you go, I want to talk for a couple of minutes about big picture Buffalo Bills right now. So the draft's over. I still think they're going to definitely sign a corner and I wouldn't be surprised to see them at a tight end before camp. Uh, we'll see about Zach Ertz, if that works out or not. I don't know how the know, to move some money around and make something like that work, if, or especially if they want to try to get a corner too, which I do think they will ultimately. But anyway, that aside, for the most part, the offseason's over now and we start to look forward to the summer. When you take the totality of this offseason with all the free agent signings or re-signings, guys who left this draft, this team ended 2020 in the AFC Championship game, defeated pretty handily by the Kansas City Chiefs, but they're right there. Are you of the mindset that this was a good quality offseason? And I kind of go back to, for me anyway, what I said at the beginning of our episode yesterday when it came to the draft, that it, it was underwhelming but practical to me. Like, I understand a lot of what they did. They took care of their own guys. And for the most part, someone left, someone came in. A couple minor upgrades, I think, here and there. But do you think this team did enough right now to comfortably, to potentially take that leap over to Kansas City Chiefs when you look at the totality of everything that's happened to this point since the last, since the, the end of the season, are you happy and are you satisfied with what the Buffalo Bills have done? I am. I don't think that they, anything they did is going to make them take some massive leap as far as bringing in talent. I think if it, they improved anywhere, I think maybe Emmanuel Sanders is a slight improvement over John Brown, who I liked. I love John Brown's contribution to this team, but I think Emmanuel Sanders might be a legitimate improvement for that position if he can stay healthy. So I think they did improve, but that's not Emmanuel Sanders is not, in my opinion, not the difference between beating the Kansas City Chiefs and not. I right. think you just you lost a player and you had an opportunity to slightly improve that. So yeah, but nothing as far as what they brought in shows me any type of crazy improvement on paper. But what they were able to do is they lost a number of guys. They were able to replace a lot of that in free agency. I don't think any of the drop off was significant in what they lost. 
they were able to fill a lot of holes before going into the draft. I think they set themselves up pretty good in the draft with some developmental stuff because this is where your roster is at. You have a, you know, you had mentioned in the last show, you have a ton of young talent on rookie deals that are coming up for big contracts. You have to get some of these premium positions locked in for the future. Like those needs we're all sitting here mocking for needs in 2021 and saying, Oh, safety's a sneaky need. This is a sneaky need. Well, you got to start filling those sneaky needs now because those guys are going to take two to three years to develop. So it's, it's a little bit of a kind of shuffling the deck, trying to make sure that you continue to stay in contention because Josh Allen is going to be by all indications, the franchise's quarterback for the next 10 years. And you're going to have to pay him like that coming up pretty soon. Like they'll, they'll probably work his fifth year option into this next deal that he gets but that you're going to be paying Josh Allen a ton of money. So in order to do that and still remain a competitive team, you have to backlog some of these drafts and get guys that maybe aren't a 2021 producer and aren't going to put you over the hump to beat Kansas City right now. But what you're banking on is Josh Allen's continued development this offseason, that that loss is just going to rip him apart like the Houston one did, and he comes out, lights the world on fire. Development from, uh, you know, a Devin Singletary, Zach Moss running game. Development from a healthy John Feliciano playing a full year. You're you're hoping that the continued development of your players, Ed Oliver playing next to Star Latule, like he's supposed to. Mario Addison playing in a role that he's supposed to be in. You're banking on it all coming together, and that being what gets you over the hump is continuity. Uh, you know, Sean, uh, what Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen did with really no real off season this year was unbelievable. I can't wait to see what they do when they're allowed to be in the building here this spring and have a full real training camp together. I think that's what the bills are banking on is that we believe we're close enough on paper and we were a year ago and that that continued improvement continuity is going to be what, you know, puts you over the hump to take that next step. I agree a hundred percent with everything you said. And I would surmise that Again, when I say unspectacular but practical, that's not an insult. That's not a criticism whatsoever. Right. It would have been, the, the, you, people would have been making a case that, yeah, had the Bills gone out and paid huge money to say Hunter Henry or, or John o. Smith at tight end, that that would have been the piece that put the Bills over the hump against Kansas City. Or I know they made a play for J.J. Watt, and who knows what he's got left at this point. Right. But say Dawson. Uh, the defensive end or loss from um Lawson from the Bengals who went to the yeah, Jets. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was a good signing. There were a couple of really high impact defensive ends that right, traded for Hunter, something like that. You couldn't make a very fair case that getting a, a game changing tight end and trading or signing a a franchise, you know, a quarterback wrecking defensive end could have been the piece that on paper anyway put the Bills over the hump to to get on that Kansas City level. But at the end of the day, you talked about Josh Allen's continued development. I agree, obviously, hundred percent. But I think for this team, if if they're going to, if they're going to overtake Kansas City or any other team that might be on the come up, like like Indy or or Cleveland the the, or whoever, you know, yeah. all those teams. For them, I think the single biggest thing is they got a handful of guys on this team that show potential, that flash, that are still young, and I think anyway have not hit their peak yet that got room to grow and get better than what they are. Like Trey White and Stefan Diggs. I'll use them for an example. They're already at the top of their game, you know? It's hopefully Stefan Diggs could play at the level he did last year for years to come. That's your hope. You hope Trey White can play at the level that he is now for years to come. Josh Allen's already on an MVP level. You know, I don't know how much realistically, how much better he can get than he already is at this point. You hope he can 
play like he did last year for years to come. I'm talking about a core of guys who I think have played well at times, but got a lot of room to get better. Um, Ed Oliver, uh, Dawson Knox, who we talk about a lot. Um, Tremaine Edmonds, I know he's a multi-time pro bowler, but he could get better. You know, he need, he'd be more consistent. He was, he didn't look great last year. Not at all times. I know he battled injuries. Um, both running backs, Singletary and Moss. We didn't see a lot from Moss last year. He was banged up or something. I like him. I think yeah. he'd be a pretty he good He was starting to develop, too. I, yeah. I believe he was starting to hit his stride and get and feel out yeah. what they wanted um, from him. Yeah, and, and then who's another guy I'm trying to think? Cody Ford. Cody Ford, sure. Gabe Davis, I know he did good things as a rookie last year. Will he continue to get better and become a reliable, consistent, trustworthy top three receiver for this football team? To right. me, ultimately, that's going to be what makes this team go to the, get to all that final hurdle as opposed to spending $40 million on a tight end where now you got to go cutting other guys and doing things to make room and you're robbing Peter to pay Paul down the road. You know what I mean? So I think it's the continued development of their young core that ultimately is going to be the, the biggest success or failure of, of this organization. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it really, they talk about it all the time. Like it comes down to developing the guys that you have. And that that is the model is continued to draft and develop. If you have to chase free agency uh, for to, to make up for your lack of drafting, that's what the Patriots did this year. Everyone was saying, oh my God, they're spending all that money. Well, the smart analysis uh analysts out there were saying well when you draft poorly for two or three years you have to pay for it like that is how the, the nfl works and so we don't want to be in the position where they're paying josh allen a ton of money they're paying trey white a ton of money probably Trian edmonds is also going to get a ton of money and then you miss on all these draft picks they just took here the last couple of years and then you have to go back and now scramble to pay those guys because draft picks do take development. It takes time. People are frustrated with Tremaine Edmonds and Ed Oliver, but Tremaine Edmonds just turned 23 years old today. Today. He turned 23 years old. I'm pretty sure. I saw uh, a stat, I, I saw a stat that there's a couple guys that got drafted this year that are older than him. Yeah, man. Like it, it takes time. Ed Oliver is developing, then had to play out of position. Like he's still a, a raw guy that has some raw potential to develop, but he has to also be in position that they need him to do. So this stuff takes time. It's very rare. Somebody put out a, a statistic of last year's draft class that 20% or less of that class, uh, or they played the, the amount of play time that these guys got was like 20% or less uh, average on their teams. You rarely get a draft class that comes in and gives you massive impact in the year that they got taken. It's all about development. And the bills are banking on that very heavily right now from at Oliver's draft class with this new draft class now, and that that development and the continued development of the guys they have is going to be good enough to get over the hump without making that big splash that just continuing to fill this team with good talent and everybody doing their one of 11 and buying in that that big giant unit all working in unison is is enough to overcome this big, mighty bad Kansas City team. I don't know if it's is going to be good enough to do it. But it's a path. It's you can do it a few different ways. You can go crazy in free agency, like we said, grab that monster that's going to bring down the QB. That might not work either. There's multiple paths to do this. The one the Bills are taking is conservative, and I like it. I, th I think it's a good build. I'm the kind of guy. If this was my team, I'd go all in for that one Super Bowl next year. I'd freaking break the bank to win one Super Bowl. Brandon Bean is a patient man. He sees the big picture. He sees three, four, five years down the road where he wants this team to be. And that's what, he, but that's how he's drafting, how they're building this team to develop.
Last question, then I'll let you go here. So we got a good, what, six-month magical ride of a Buffalo Bills season that culminated in them reaching the AFC championship game. Went right into a very busy offseason, re-signing three key players. Bunch of guys in, bunch of guys out. Then we get in the draft season, and we're studying players, and we're doing mock drafts and creating all this content. Now this is a draft. It's over with. What the hell are you going to do for fun, man, until from now, like to when training camp starts in July? What the hell are you going to do with your life? Uh, well, I'll still be on my show weekly with Greg. We take no days off over there at Cover One, so we still got our show. OTAs is going to be coming right up. That, that comes right up before you know it, so there'll be some fun stuff to talk about there. But personally, uh, I had a goal set aside for uh, to start reading more here this last year at the start of the year. And I was off to a great start and the draft season killed it. Every time I thought to sit down for a book, I was starting, <laughs> I'll do some mock drafts or work on a draft prospect. So I'm going to take a step, step back a little bit and read through the pile of books that I bought myself uh, and enjoy some coffee in the morning and books and not fighting on Twitter about draft prospects. <laughs> I talked to your partner, Greg Thompson, and he is, uh, he's binging the Sopranos again. That's going to be like his little bit of his, his mental break. Uh, I'm going to have to find a show to, to watch as well. I, I've been on a pretty shitty slump lately with um, a couple shows on Netflix that have just been terrible, but uh, we'll see if I can turn something around. Anyway, that's going to do it for today. Big thank you one more time. My man, Aaron Quinn. Make sure you check out the Cover One Buffalo Podcast Weekly. Him and Greg Thompson they do an awesome job. Follow Aaron on Twitter at AaronQuinn716. Brother, my man, seven straight weeks I've had you on every week. Looking at your handsome face on this uh, Zencaster software that we use, it's been a it's been a lot of fun, man. And again, I said this yesterday, and I'm going to say it again today. I, I truly, truly appreciate all the time that you've been putting in for this. I really it wouldn't be the same without you, man, because you know my thoughts. I kind of know where you're going with a lot of these draft people. So to be able to have that continuity with you, to be able to borrow you from Cover One for these last couple months, it's been awesome, man. Thank you so well, much. I appreciate it, man. And now you're going to have to have Joe Buffalo wins on to make up for the homerism of me on. I don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. That's coming. But before that, come back Friday, casual Friday with my buddy, Del Reed. Talk to you Friday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.